regardless of what you go through all day long, all weekend, you can step into the presence of the Lord on a Sunday night, a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night, at your own house, wherever you are. You can step into the presence of the Lord and begin to offer some worship and some praise. And you can feel the presence of the Lord, the joy of the Lord falling fresh in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you shake hands with your neighbor? Tell him you're glad to see him. Oh, God's awesome, isn't he? Amen. You can be seated. So glad to have new life with us tonight. New life of Osceola, that's what we call ourselves. And we do that simply because that's what we offer. Amen. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Aren't you thankful for that? Old things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. It's truly an honor to be here tonight. I appreciate this opportunity to minister to you. Thankful for your pastor. I think we started pastoring around the same time. The difference was I moved from a different part of, I guess you did too. You moved from a different part of Arkansas, right? Just, just barely. And in the last year, we've made better acquaintance with one another. And I, I, now we started doing this Purpose Institute. And I try to sit next to him because I'm hoping some of his brains will rub off on me. I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> But I enjoy listening to him teach at that Purpose Institute and uh, enjoy just observing. I stay pretty close contact with what's going on because I follow Facebook pretty closely. And uh, he posts. And so that keep, that's like a newspaper to me, and I read it uh, to see what other people are doing. I'm not sure how I feel about words here. God's good, isn't he? Yes, I'm uh, wrestling between two messages. I told my wife, so I don't know which one to preach. And um, <clears throat> here we are. And I still don't know which one to preach. And I keep having this inclination to try to mix them. And that's scary. <laughs> that's scary. But if you would stand with me, we're going to pray. God's going to give me direction. And we're going to, we're going to go somewhere. I may change direction in the middle of what we're doing. But we had an evangelist come by a church that we were assisting in. He became one of my favorite preachers. And uh, his name was, is John Proctor. I don't know if you've heard of him. His feet are about that long. I'm, I'm probably not much exaggeration there. And he never looks like he's smiling, especially during church. He's just very serious, just very serious. And 
in the middle of his preaching many times he'll be preaching and then he'll say I feel a directional change he'll take off another direction and usually when he says I feel a directional change he's going to preach about five minutes you're going to have an altar call and God's going to move in a mighty way so if I can have that sort of directional change tonight I'll try to help you before then when we feel a directional change we'll try to just let God move amen let's pray thank you Jesus for another chance to be In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> now, I don't know what you're used to very well, except I've heard your pastor teach. I don't know. It's more of a preach to me, but uh, I've heard him teach, and uh, I like it. But I will tell you what to expect from me. I'm a screamer. And uh, that's just fact of the matter. I try to stay calm and cool and collected, and I can't even spell any of that, so... It usually doesn't work for me. But I just like to have church. I'm not real dignified. I'm not really even good at acting dignified. Um, I like to have fun in church. And fun in church to me is just a little bit on the crazy side. <laughs> so now that you know me a little better, let's turn to Genesis 32. And verse 24. Now, I do also happen to be a sweater, and uh, I have a towel because I sweat through handkerchiefs, so I'm not trying to be T.D. Jakes or anything. Don't worry, my face will turn red, it may turn blue, I'll keep breathing, it'll be all right. Somebody came up to me after church one time, they said, man, were you feeling okay? <laughs> well, yeah, I was preaching. I mean, come on. They said, your, your lips turn blue. <laughs> I said, well, it's just because I'm fat. We'll be all right. <laughs> Genesis 32, verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask? After my name, and he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted. Everybody say, he halted upon his thigh. Again, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do in this service. I thank you for your spirit that we felt already. 
God, I believe you to do great things. I pray that our minds would be opened, our hearts would be opened, our spirits would be opened, and you would move in us, Lord. Not that we would just hear preaching, but God, that we would be changed by preaching. I pray that your will would be done in this place, Lord. Help us to be sensitive to your spirit, I pray, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. With the help of the Lord tonight, I'm going to endeavor to preach to you when heaven meets earth. When heaven meets earth. Now, I'm a little intimidated. Stand behind your pulpit because I know that Anderson name. Elder, when you sang, I felt the Holy Ghost strong. I started to ask Pastor, may you guys get to feel this every time he talks? That's a privilege. That's a privilege to have the wisdom of an elder, the anointing of an elder. I would encourage you to tap into that the best you can. The Bible says give honor where honors due. That's all I'm doing. I would encourage you to tap into that. Matter of fact, I think it'd be a good idea if you found an occasion to go to him and kneel at his feet and say, Elder, would you pray for me? Would you bless me? You may have done that, but would you bless me? Would you pray for me? My life was changed, Pastor, when I knelt at my father's feet. And I said, Elder, would you pray for me? Would you pray that God would give me a double portion of your spirit? Sometimes... We think, you know, now they're old. They're feeble now. Shame on us. There's a wealth of knowledge. A wealth of anointing. More anointing than you have and may ever have. Thank you, Elder, for blessing us with that song. I honor you tonight. We look at the story that I read to you from, probably a pretty familiar story to most of us. The story of Jacob wrestling with an angel. How many have ever heard that story before? There's a lot of different ways you could go from that story, and I'm sure most preachers have probably preached from that story at least once. There's a couple of things that I want to draw your attention to when we look into this story. And one of those things is Jacob was not content with just having touched something supernatural. We live in a world that is very open to the supernatural. I mean... I believe there's even a series of some sort out called Supernatural. Am I right with that? Seems like I've, I've seen something about a mo- some movies or a series or something. It's okay. I won't accuse you of watching it. I just need some. I read about it too, okay? So. But they're very open to the supernatural. I personally believe that's because they're looking for something to satisfy a longing in their heart. And Jacob wasn't satisfied just simply 
touching this being of the supernatural. He wasn't simply satisfied wrestling with him. You know, I've found that oftentimes we go to church and we're satisfied just by going to church. You know, while I went to church today, I saw a gentleman at lunch today. I said, how was church? He said, it was okay. And I chuckled to myself and I thought, wow, he's honest. Most people would have said, oh, it was good. It was good. I looked at him and I said, you know what? I said, that's exactly a true statement. That's the way it was at our church too. It was okay. It wasn't bad. It wasn't outstanding. We've had better. We've had worse. But sometimes we're just satisfied just by going to church. Just by singing a few songs. And I'm not being critical. I'm talking about us as a people. Just by singing a few songs, we bring satisfaction. And, you know, we plan on coming back at the next service and, or next week at least, you know. And we'll sing a few songs and preacher will preach and We've got a little bit of a ritual, a formality that we go through, and I don't have a problem with schedule, but we kind of know how things are going to be. That's what we expect, and if we're not careful, we get satisfied right there. I mean, after all, we've been to church. After all, we've been to that place where the supernatural is, and maybe we even felt a few goosebumps like we felt when Elder was singing. Maybe we felt a few goosebumps, and maybe we even did a little bit of a jig, and and, and we could say, hey, I've been to church. Pastor preached a phenomenal message. God was there. But we weren't really changed. Nothing incredible happened. It was just church. But I, I want us to notice here that Jacob wasn't just satisfied with being around the supernatural. But if we look we find where Jacob said I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm not going to let you go until you make a difference in my life. It was his perseverance that caused this supernatural being to say what's your name? Well, my name is Jacob. Jacob meant deceiver. Jacob meant supplanter. Jacob meant a tricker or tricking. So when they said Jacob, they were saying you're dishonest. You're a deceiver. His dysfunction was identifying him. And Jacob said, I'm really tired of being Jacob. I'm tired of this being my identity. I'm tired of this being what people think of when they think of me. And the angel realized that Jacob was wanting something different. And he said, your name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And then if we look down a little ways, uh, verse 30. Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. He said, for I have seen God face to face. Verse 
You know, really when we come into the house of God, our, our goal, our motive on a Sunday night, pastor ought to be to see God face to face. Unfortunately, I think we, we uh, think those services are few and far between. You know, we're, where we leave uh, different than we came in. We think those services are few and far between when the power of God moves and people are slain in the spirit. I don't know how it is here. I'm just talking about how it is at our church. But we think it's few and far between when, when, when the power of God moves and people begin to respond to the presence of God. And, and you know, it's, 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 an, it's an outward exuberance. There's an obvious change taking place in their life. And we think it's amazing and we think it's few and far between and only those special services, you know, where the Holy Ghost sweeps in and people start, uh, people start juking and jiving. You know, I call it they get cattle prodded. They start tweaking. The power of God touches them. They start twitching. Y'all ever seen that? Then they just start, then they just, they go every which direction. I'd do it, but I'd get whiplash. They go every which direction and they bounce off this wall and they bounce off that wall. They run around the church top speed fast as they can go. And I'm not necessarily criticizing all this. I'm just simply saying sometimes we reserve those times and those are few and far between, but aren't they good when they happen? And I would say absolutely, definitely, they are good when they happen. But my question is, since when does that have to be just once in a while? Amen. My question is, since when does that have to be just occasionally? My parents were older. Uh, I was born the day after my dad's 45th birthday. My, parent, uh, my dad is deceased. My mom is 81. Had to make sure I was right there. My mom's 81. Um, so they, they, they remember old, old time Pentecost. And if I were to talk to some of you, you probably remember old time Pentecost as well. And if I was to begin to ask you questions, you would probably begin to tell me of the services where they didn't get out till 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. The services that would last late into the evening, late into the night. And then you'd drive home and then you'd get up and go to work the next day. And you'd talk about people shouting and knocking the benches over. Then they had pews back then. They'd shout and knock the benches over. How many remember those days? They'd shout and knock the benches over. Somebody would, somebody would, uh, would, would, would possibly knock the guitar over. And I, mean, I mean, people would just, it'd be just wild and crazy. And people would be delivered from drug addiction. And people would be delivered from depression. And, and people would be delivered from alcoholism. And that, that old hard husband that they'd prayed for for years would, would come running to an altar at the end of the preaching and slide on his knees. And you'd probably tell some of those stories. And slide on his knees into the, into the altar and the power of God would hit him and he would be changed and we call that old time Pentecost certainly not making fun of those days certainly not making fun of today but I'm asking what has caused the, the change what is different about it I would submit to you tonight that the difference is we've quit desiring for heaven to meet earth you see, because when heaven meets earth, we are forever changed. When heaven meets earth, things are different when we leave. 
How many times have you, have you came to church with a need, with a desire, with a want, and left with the same desire and the same want and the same need? And you felt unsatisfied in your life and you felt maybe shortchanged a little bit and you wondered, what happened? They said anything could happen. How come I didn't get my need met? They said God would meet needs. What happened in my situation? What happened in my life? What happened to me? I don't know that I have that answer tonight, but I simply want to ask you, when's the last time that heaven met earth in your life? When is the last time that there was a connection between here and there? When was the last time that, that God touched you in such a way that you were forever changed? One th other thing that I want you to notice from this scripture Verse 31, and as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him and he halted. Everybody say, he halted. That's important. Look at your neighbor and tell him that's important. He halted upon his thigh. What's that mean? Well, to me, pastor, that means that everywhere he went from that day forward, there was a mark put on him. So you would know, and so they would know, and so he would know that at one point in his life, heaven met earth. At one particular time in his life, there was a connection between him and the supernatural. Not a connection that left him the same. Not a connection that he walked away from to return to what he once was. But a connection that reached down into the very pit of his soul and said, I'm going to change everything about you. I'm going to change you from being a supplanter and a deceiver and a tricker. And your new name is going to be Israel. And as Israel, you're going to be known as one who prevailed. Or you're going to be known as one who stuck around, stuck around long enough. One who stayed with it long enough that you got God's attention. And he moved from just touching over here and around there to reaching down and making a connection in your life. You're one that prevailed. And because you prevailed, heaven has met earth in your life. And everywhere you go, it's going to be known that heaven has met earth in your life. Can we give him praise? I don't know that it does us any good to come into church with a preconceived idea. I am going to touch God and he's going to move on me this way. He's going to do this in my life. I don't know that it does us any good to do that. But I think it would do us well to come to church and say, I may not know everything that's going to happen tonight, but one thing's going to happen. I'm going to make a connection. I'm going to do everything in my power to make a connection. Yes. And I understand that if I do everything in my power to make a connection, he'll do everything in his power to make a connection. And when the connection is made, I'll walk away changed forever. Let's talk a little bit. 
Let's talk a little bit about what happens. How we make heaven meet earth in our life. Thank God for smart stuff. How, what, what brings about a heaven meeting earth occasion in our life? How does that happen? What do we do to make that take place? Maybe I can help you. I hope I can. One of the reasons that we promote praise so strong in our churches is because there is a power associated with praise. You look in scripture and you see where the miraculous took place, you'll usually find somewhere in there where there was some praise going on. Real simple, my mind goes to Paul and Silas. They're stuck in prison. They've just been beaten. They had to have been feeling sorry for themselves. But the Bible says that at midnight, you ever been out at midnight? It's dark at midnight. But at midnight, Paul and Silas, what'd they do? Prayed. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. And the prisoners heard them. I'm surely not being critical when I say this, but, you know, if we're not careful, we we become quiet praisers. I'm not even sure that's such a thing. But we become quiet praisers. I got to be careful. I'll start. You'll you'll think I'm making fun. I'm really not. I was raised in church. So uh, I can describe things how they were, how they are now. One thing I've found is when I begin to praise God and forget about those around me and forget about what's happening in my life, but just offer God pure praise. Pure praise is praise that's not filtered through the garbage of the world. Pure praise is praise that comes from a clean heart, from a right spirit, from a clean mind. That's why we promote pre-service prayer. So that we have a minute, a little bit of time to wash up (laughs) before we walk into the presence of the king. So we have a little bit of time to cleanse ourselves before we walk into the the king's house. What brings about a heaven meeting earth experiences in our life is praise. Because you see, praise takes the focus off me. Puts it on God. You see, because when I get up here and the music starts playing and people start, uh, the power of God starts moving and I start going like this. One of the first things that goes through my mind is you're jiggling. (laughs) One of the first things that goes through my mind is you look like a fat fool. I'm talking about me, not you. You can smile. It's okay. I mean, that's just one of the first things that goes through my mind. 
You look like an idiot. Yeah, you're probably right. If I remember correctly, Michael said David looked like an idiot. Michael accused David of being a fool. And I like David's response. He looked at her and he said, well, you think I was crazy today? Just wait till next time. You think I acted out of sorts today? You just wait till next time. Because next time you thought I was a fool today, next time you're going to know with a surety that I'm a fool. Now that's, that's Duran's interpretation there, but... That's, that's pretty much what he said. Just stick around and see me next time. If we could learn when we walk into the house of God to put everything else aside. And we could learn when we walk into the house of God to walk in with the purpose in our step. What are you here for? I'm here because I need heaven to touch my life. I'm here because I need God to change me. I'm here because I need to leave different than I came in. I'm here because I want to know more about God than I've ever known. And I can only experience that when heaven touches my life. If we could really understand that the praise service, again, I'm not being critical, but if we could understand that the praise service is more than just a few songs on a keyboard sung by somebody that has the best voice in the church and the other best voices in the church and the best musician. No, no, no. That's not just what praise is. Praise is a connection to the supernatural from earth. Praise is me reaching up through my imperfections and through my troubles and my trials. Praise is me making a connection with the almighty God, the creator of the ends of the earth, the one that is forever the same and will never change and praises me making a connection with him and him reaching down and making a connection with me so that I can leave different than I came in. What is it that's going to keep our children in church? It's going to be heaven meeting earth. It's going to be having a church that's full of the power of the Holy Ghost. It's going to be having a church where heaven comes down and connects with us on a continual basis. It's not enough to have programs. It's not enough to have cool pastors and good music. But in order for the church to be the church, and in order for the church to change lives, there's got to be a connection made between the people of the church and heaven so that heaven can work in our lives. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give him some praise. You see, praise is, you can be seen, you see, praise is the catalyst that makes things happen. What's the catalyst? It's the go thing. It's what's added to a mixture that makes everything work right. I used to work in a finger joint factory in California. It was a salvage mill, and we would take all the other mills' rejects, and we would make probably baseboards like that right there. Trim, door trim. The reason I'm saying that is because this is painted. I work in a lumber yard, so I got a little bit of knowledge of lumber. This is painted. That means in the back of it, there's probably finger joints because it's cheaper. And you paint it because it doesn't matter because you can't tell there's finger joints on it. And I worked in a place that did that. We would take them from blocks and we would. I worked as a, as, as a grader there. Most boring job I ever had in my life. 
I would stand and wood would come by me and I would mark out the bad stuff. And I would get so bored. I would be singing loud. It's a sawmill. I mean, it's loud in there. I'd be singing. Then I'd realize everybody was listening to me. I'd be yelling. Every once in a while, I'd just yell. I hated it, but I needed a job. I survived the layoff, so I was happy to be doing it. But I'd be working. I'd just yell. I remember one day I was working. All of a sudden, I just yelled. It was, it was, kind of, it was as quiet as a sawmill could be. I guess that's the noise that's there is what's supposed to be there. That's the high-pitched whine of a saw, you know, and it's something like that. I'm not a very good saw. <laughs> but I was working, and I was bored and trying to keep myself awake, so I'm just kind of stomping and singing, and all of a sudden I'm just like, ah! And I heard the lady behind me have a heart attack. <laughs> and I turned around, she said, you scared me. But I worked in this particular mill. We would take the little the little uh, blocks, and we would stack them on a pallet. Then they would go over to what was called the finger joint machine. And that finger joint machine, they would go down this line, and they would go down on this conveyor belt. And as they went on this conveyor belt, a saw would come, and it would cut something like that in that board. And they would keep going, and then it would go to this place where the glue would just shoot out of this little deal and coat that. And then it would go to another board, and it would join it like that, and it would make a very tight joint, and usually they're very strong. But what made it work was there was a catalyst that they put in that glue. If they didn't put that catalyst in the glue, the glue wouldn't hold. But that catalyst had something in it that when it, when it left, it would go into this radio frequency oven. And there was something in that catalyst that made that oven heat this and it would stick together. Now, obviously, I'm not very educated on the whole procedure, just what I saw. But I do know there were days they had to empty the glue somebody forgot to put catalyst in and they didn't have any catalyst it wouldn't stick together and so your seams would pop open and so instead of your finger joints being flat like those doors there are the frame around those doors there it would pop open like this and nobody wants that and it would have to go back through our line and we'd have to cut it out and make another trip through and it would be a, a shorter a longer piece of several finger joints and they'd try it again but that catalyst is what made that glue work. Praise is the catalyst that makes everything work. Because until you learn to praise, you'll be a frustrated Christian. Because you'll come to church and you'll wonder, why didn't my need get met when pastor said my need could get met? And I'll submit to you, your need didn't get met because you didn't offer it to God in praise. You didn't give God an opportunity to reach down and touch your life. Praise is lifting God up above our situation. Now, I'm, I'm trying to help you understand how to make heaven meet earth in your life. Heaven can only meet earth in our life when we learn how to praise. Jacob's time spent wrestling with this Angel would be likened to us praising because he spent time in the presence of a representative of God. But it did nothing happened in his life until he reached beyond what was normal. Nothing happened in his life until he got past what was common. Nothing changed in his life until he persevered. 
Nothing changed in his life until he lasted longer than was normal. A lot of people may ask, why do we praise? What's the importance of praise? Why do we focus so much on praise? Why does it seem that when we go to church, pastors always say, come on, you got to learn to praise him. Come on, let's praise him. Come on, let's worship. What's the importance of that? Well, we could look in 2 Chronicles where they begin to worship around the temple. They begin to worship the power of God fell so that they couldn't even minister. But the power of God saturated the place, stopping what they had planned, stopping what they were going to do. Could I put it this way? Stopping the order of the service. Because the power of God moved in and took over. My question is, how long has it been since that's happened? How long has that been since it's been that way in our life, in our church? When was the last time that heaven met earth in our life? Why do I praise? Well, there's a couple reasons. Praise will make your church grow. It really will. Nobody wants to be part of a dead church. Even the dead don't want to be part of a dead church. Praise helps you find your way out of your present situation. How many have situations in their life that aren't pleasant right now? The thing about praise... Pastor, I know you know this, but the thing about praise isn't that it changes the circumstances. Not always. Sometimes, but not always. The thing about praise is it elevates God above the circumstances. It causes me to take my focus off the circumstances. It causes me to take my focus off what's going on in life, and my focus goes back on Him. Praise introduces someone else to the presence of God. I made a, uh, I don't know what the right word is, a vow to myself, maybe, when I became a pastor. Now, I was raised a PK. My dad pastored, and then later on, my brother pastored that same church. So I was raised in a pastor's home. And I know that had my, my brother, who's now my pastor, so if I call him my pastor, you'll know who I'm talking about. Had my brother not came back, my oldest brother not came back and became the pastor of that church, I probably wouldn't be in church today. Not that the church my dad pastored was bad. It had just become out of date. I was a teenager, 13, 12, 13, somewhere in there. It had become quite outdated. My dad had sickness. Ended up having being diagnosed with Parkinson's and just... It was, a rough, it was a rough deal for the church. And I remember I didn't really want to go to church. I didn't really want to be part of the church. The world had a really strong pull in my life. But when my pastor came back and began to just change the culture, just made a few changes, just said, we're going to do this this way. He didn't introduce a different style of, uh, or a different truth. He didn't introduce a different doctrine. 
We stuck with the old paths in those ways, but there was just a different way introduced. Just a, a newer means, a, a way that connected with me. And I remember being taught to praise. I remember watching him as he would worship. And thinking, hey, this isn't so bad after all. Living for God can be fun. Man, if you don't believe living for God can be fun, you need to just hang out with me for a little while. Because I like to have fun. I'm as dumb as they get. I am. I'm just as goofy as they come. But God made me that way. It's his fault. Living for God's the greatest thing. But I don't know that I'd ever come to know that, Brother McCall, had somebody not begun to worship and praise and it splashed over on me. And all of a sudden I realized, hey, I can have fun in the house of God. I don't have to go to a party in the world. I could party here. I don't have to be drunk to have a good time. I can get crazy here and remember what happened. I'm telling you the honest truth. When we begin to learn to praise, you'll find that your children enjoy going to church. You'll find your children gather with you around the altar and worship with you and praise with you. And they have a desire to know God too. Because praise is contagious. When we begin to worship, there's just something about the power of God. As it begins to move, it splashes over on the person next to us. and splashes over on the person around us. And before we know it, we're having ourselves a really good praise party. And pretty soon, heaven's able to meet earth in our life. Praise brings victory in two ways. Or in one way in particular. Praise brings victory. Praise brings victory because you praise before victory comes, which is putting faith in God. I like to use this term. God, your credit's good with me. I trust you right now where I am, that everything's going to work out just the way you want it to, which is going to be the best for me. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises and then there was an earthquake and then there was a suddenly then the unexpected happened in their life but it didn't happen until they began to offer God praise it didn't happen until they began to step above the circumstances of their life it didn't happen until they said I don't care what you think I don't care how you observe it I'm here to touch God I've got nothing more on my mind than creating an atmosphere for the superpower of God to move in my life I need heaven to touch earth I'm telling you if you're unsatisfied in your relationship with God you need to just step out and say I'm going to have myself my own little praise party if anybody else gets with me that's okay but if nobody else gets with me that's okay too me and God got our own thing going me and God got it all worked out me and God going to have us a good time and I'm going to make sure that heaven touches earth in my life You say, well, how do we ensure that heaven will come down and touch earth? Go through the scripture. Begin to look at times that they begin to create an atmosphere for God to move. Go through scripture and begin to look at the times that they would offer God praise. And God would respond to their praise. And God would show up as a result of their praise. 
We have a guarantee that when we begin to lift him up and we begin to exalt him, he'll reach down and draw all men unto him. If he's drawing us to him, doesn't that mean heaven's touching earth? If we're getting closer to him, doesn't that mean that heaven's touching earth in our life? Let me talk to you a little bit about praise. Oh God, you're going to have... Right now is when I might hurt myself. But it'll be okay. Hopefully you'll help me. One more thing. Praise brings salvation. Nobody. I've seen a lot of people receive the Holy Ghost. That's not saying I'm anything, but I've been in church all my life. I've seen a lot of people receive the Holy Ghost. In the last year at our church, we've had about 20 receive the Holy Ghost. Thankful for that. It's approximate. We may have missed one or two there, but we're, real, we're in between about 16 or 17 and 20. Not exactly positive where we are there. I'll be safe. We'll say we've had 15. How's that? 15 received the Holy Ghost. Most of those since August. God's been good to us. But I'm going to tell you this. You, haven't, you won't see anybody receive the Holy Ghost that isn't praising. You will not receive the Holy Ghost with your mouth snapped shut. It just won't happen. Look at your neighbor, give him the biggest smile, take your preacher finger like this and tell him it's impossible. It's impossible. There are seven words that are used that are written as praise in our King James Version Bible. At least seven. I want to explain to you a little bit and maybe help you understand why we act the way we do. How many of you have been Pentecostal all your life? How many of you were raised in another denomination, another type church? How many of you the first time you came to an apostolic church and you saw people shouting and talking in tongues and acting crazy, you were like, whoa. Anybody? Anybody do that? Did you look at somebody and say, what's up with these guys? What's the deal? And unfortunately, it's been my observation. I reserve the right to be wrong here, but it's been my observation. As I've gotten older, Brother McCall, our younger generation don't quite grasp it. They do some things different, and I'm okay with that. But I made a vow when I started pastoring. To myself, and I said, you know what? I'm going to do my best to make sure that the church I pastor sees the miraculous. Yeah, I'm going to make sure to do my best. I'm going to make sure to do the best I can to, to ensure that my kids know what it's like to see a miracle. Yeah. That they know what it's like to be in a church where people receive the Holy Ghost. That they know what it's like to be in a church where the power of God moves. That they know what it's like to dance and shout and feel God move. That they know what it's like to create an atmosphere for God to move. I made that vow to myself. So I'm going to do my best to make sure this happens in the church I pastor. Because I want them to know they can have it just like elders generation had it. There are seven words that define praise in our King James Version Bible. One of them is yada. Or yada. 
I'm not Greek or Hebrew, so I will butcher these words probably, but I'll give you my best pronunciation. Yada means to use or hold out the hand physically, especially to revere or worship with extended hands intensively. You wonder why we put our hands out in praise. We put our hands out in praise because it's a biblical definition of worship. If you study people very long, you'll come to an, uh, an understanding of this. When somebody wants God to move in their situation, these gentlemen here, they'll, they'll uh, affirm everything I'm saying. When somebody wants God to, uh, to move in their situation, when they walk to an altar, elder, they go like this, don't they? He knew what I was going to say. They go like this. Why? Because it's saying, God, I give you complete control. You walk to an altar and go like this, you're holding something back usually. Or you have a hurt arm. But usually it's, I'm not sure, I want to give everything. But when we thrust both hands out, and we extend our hands in worship, We're saying, okay, God, I trust you to do what you need to do in my life, however you need to do it, and I give you complete control. Now, if I walked up to you with a gun and stuck it in your back, you would throw both hands in the air and tell me where your wallet was. And I would be trying to take something from you that you didn't want me to have. Why is it when we come to the altar... When we want God to move in our life, we have a hard time sometimes throwing both hands in the air and saying, here, God, it's me. Take from me what I don't need. Give to me what I need. Have control of my life. Yadah, it's a form of worship. Zamar is another word used for worship, and it means to touch the strings or parts of a musical instrument, to play upon it, to make music accompanied by the voice. I like this. To celebrate in song and music. To give praise. To sing forth praises and psalms. I'm going to totally take away your ability to say praise should be calm and cool and collected. You'll no longer be able to say, I don't think that's proper in the house of God. After tonight. I promise. You won't. You can't talk about celebrating calm in the same word. In the same sentence. They had a calm celebration. That don't even make sense. Can that happen? The word zamar, to touch, to play. The word tehillah means to laud or to sing a hymn, much as Elder did tonight. I heard an old, old story. It'd do you good to remember the words to that song. Victory in Jesus. My Savior forever. He sought me. He looked for me. He bought me. He paid paid the price. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. You know what that means? That means I was baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of my sins. He plunged me. Sorry. Get excited. 
Halal is another word for praise. It means to boast. To make a show. I'm telling you how to make heaven touch earth in your life. Stay with me. I won't be much longer, I don't think. To be clamorously foolish. That's in church. To rave. To celebrate. If I want God to show up in my situation, I ought to do something to get his attention. What would you do if you knew that driving down your street was somebody that was going to give away $10 million? And they were going to give it to the person that caught their attention first. You'd be standing out there by the road going, hello, hey, I won't stand on a chair. It's me. Hey, 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 hey. Pick me, pick me, pick me. Hey, 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 hey. You'd forget about being dignified. You'd forget about being calm, cool, and collected. Why? Because of $10 million. I, I can't say I blame you. I didn't say I wouldn't be doing it. But I, I, why would we do that? We would do that because we want something from them. Yeah. We want the green stuff, man. Show me the cheese. Show me the cash. Oh, bless me, Father. Why is it when it comes to getting something from God, we don't use the same tactics? We don't, we don't use the same methods. I guarantee you, if you would come to church, matter of fact, forget come to church, you're already here. I guarantee you that in the next few minutes, if you would begin to go, oh, God, come on. Come on. there's nobody like you, Jesus. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm halaling. I'm boasting on him. Oh, God, I give you praise. I guarantee you, if you'd, if you'd find yourself a little spot and you'd make it your praise spot and you'd begin to go... Say, wait, there's no drum. It's okay. Pretend. What are you doing? I'm being clamorously foolish because you don't understand what God's done for me. You don't understand how God's moved in my life. You don't know what I used to be. You don't know how I used to act. You see, what happens is we become content with what we've always had. And we become content with how things have become. Instead of there being an urgency in our heart and a fire in our belly that says, I've come to make heaven touch earth in my life, in this place, at this time, for my benefit, but also for the benefit of somebody else. Because I might be helping my church grow. I might be helping somebody be saved. I might be helping somebody elevate God about of their problem. To praise means to be clamorously foolish. To praise means to celebrate. 
all across the United States today, there are football fans celebrating. Right. It's the last Sunday. Right. There's not even a Monday night game tomorrow. It's the last game of the regular season. And the 49ers are going nowhere but home. That must have been all the Bears fans or something. Cowboys fans. But it didn't matter to the 49er faithful that gathered to watch them play the Cardinals today. They were still out there going, Woo! 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 Did you see that? Woo! They sacked the quarterback. He threw another interception. He fumbled again. How many think I'm being foolish? I am. But my God, doesn't it just stir something in you to think about those that are acting that way? about just a game, something that doesn't matter in life, something that has possibly no basis on eternity. It might, but we're going to say it does. It has no basis on eternity. And and apostolics want to come to church and have a dignified service. Don't, Don't mess up your tie. Don't take your jacket off. Don't break sweat. Well, stick around, honey. We're just getting started. I'm only on the third or fourth word. It really ought to be that when we walk into the house of God, there's something that stirs within us. There's something that ignites, it connects with the fire that's burning within us, with the Holy Ghost that we have on the inside. Something that says, oh my God, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Oh my God, have I ever told you how he saved me? Have I ever told you how he kept me? Have I ever told you about what he's done in my life? Excuse me while I celebrate. Excuse me while I boast on Jesus. You don't know like I know what he's done for me. You don't know like I know what he brought me from, what he kept me from, how he's moved in my life. You don't understand like I understand. I pray for a fresh awakening, for a fresh desire, for a fresh hunger to burn in our soul, that there would be something within us that says, I've got to touch heaven. I've got to create an atmosphere for the supernatural to work in my life. You can be seated. Another word of praise is toda. Toda means a choir of worshipers, a sacrifice of praise, thanksgiving. You see that? It's not just a day, it's a praise, it's a lifestyle. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Yeah. Oh God, help us. Come on. 
Shabbat. Y'all, y'all probably, some of you, well, I shouldn't say that. I'm rewording it right now. People have looked at me and said I was too loud. People have looked at me and said, I don't understand the screaming and the yelling. I mean, after all, he's God. He's not deaf. The word Shabbat means to address in a loud tone. It was written just for me. I mean, if you know me very well, you're around me very long, and I get excited, my voice elevates. I can't help it. I don't have to be mad. I could just be discussing something that I feel strongly about. I don't debate people. You know why? Because my voice elevates. I want to talk on word share in all caps. My voice just elevates. I get excited. I can't hardly teach, Brother McCall, because I get excited. And I find myself yelling. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm supposed to be teaching. My dad said the difference between teaching and preaching was and when you're teaching, you're telling. When you're preaching, you're yelling. <laughs> I, I don't very much either. Let me read to you a scripture that uses praise, but it, it, the word was Shabbat in the original. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall address you. In a loud tone. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall lift up and address you in a loud tone. And with joyful lips. Do you ever come to church and just feel a hallelujah coming on? The power of God starts moving and you're like, Woo! Hallelujah! And the person beside you goes, What's the matter with that person? But really, that's just being biblical. To address in a loud tone. It's okay to feel passionate enough about what you're saying. To just rear back every once in a while and say, Oh, hallelujah! I, I like to do it like this. Woo! I mean, sometimes, Brother James, when the power of God gets moving on me, I just have to say, Woo! What's that mean? I don't know. It means I'm feeling so much, I don't even know how to express it. So I just put it in the best praise word that I can. Woo! I dare you to try it. Go ahead, go ahead, if, if you're brave enough. Tell me if you feel anything when you just reach down and you say, You see, sometimes we become too sophisticated for God to move. Sometimes we become too comfortable for God to move. Sometimes we become too educated for God to move. But I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. But I am saying when it becomes too much for God to move, we have a problem. And we need to return to the basics of living for God. And that's create an atmosphere with our praise.
I've seen people healed in the middle of praise service. I've seen people filled in the middle of praise service. I've seen God do mind-blowing things in the middle of praise service. And we want to stop and say, no, hold on. You need to wait till the altar call. We haven't even had any preaching yet. I mean, what are you doing? It's, it's when God responds. He responds to the heart that says, I don't care how it's done. I don't care what happens. I don't care what other people think. Just please touch me. Just please move in my life. Just please move in my situation. Heaven, would you please touch earth in my life? Would you please touch earth in my life? I've been in this church, Psalm 115 and verse 17 says, The dead praise not the Lord. That's the only excuse we get not to praise. That's the only time we're excused is if we're dead. It goes on in verse 18 says, But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Do you need heaven to meet earth in your life? Do you need there to be a life-changing development in your life? Do you need God to show up in a major way in your life? Do you need a miracle? Do you need healing? Do you need a financial blessing? Do you need God to absolutely shake you from the front to the back and from side to side and totally redo your thinking? Then you need heaven to meet earth in your life. By the way, I'm on my second message if you wonder why I'm going so long. But I'm almost finished. Psalm 150. If I could just get you. I wish when I preach, I could just have a bottle of believe it. (laughs) Yeah, just a squirt gun and I could just run by and go. Oh, I just wish I could. I'm just squirting a little believing. I mean, if I could get believing, if I could get you to believe what I'm preaching, if I could get you to just reach out and say, oh my God, it doesn't even really make sense, but it just makes sense. If I could just get you to say, make the mic, quit squealing, I'll come back over here. If I could just get you to say, I think he's got something there. I think in the, in the middle of the mess, I've figured out that if I could just worship and praise God, I could get his attention. And if I could get his attention, Jacob didn't even have the Holy Ghost. We've got the Holy Ghost. We're God's children. Hello. We're in a different, whole different dimension. If I could just get you to say, you know what? I don't completely understand it, but I believe it. Joshua, I want you to march around this inconquerable obstacle in your life. March. Do it just like this. March around it one time for six days. Okay, Lord, done. Well, on the seventh day, I want you to march around it six times. Don't say a word any of these times. 
March around at the seventh, a seventh time on the seventh day. I think I said the sixth day, march around it six times. On the seventh, I didn't? Okay. Anyway, on the seventh day, they're supposed to march around it six times, and then the seventh time when they finished, he said, I want you to listen for the blast of the trumpet that the priest has. And when you hear the blast of that trumpet, I want you to shout, for the Lord has given you the city. I don't understand how that worked. I don't know how it happened. I don't. All I know is they did what he said. And because they did what he said, he did what he said. When the priests blew, they shouted. And the Bible says the walls fell down flat. And they went up into the city. I didn't write that story to support what I'm saying. But if I could get you to say, I get it. If I'll just do what I know to do and give God an opportunity. Hey, let me explain to you something. God wants to show up in your life. God wants to move in your life. God wants to touch you in such a way that you won't even recognize yourself when he's finished. God wants to blow your mind. God wants you to look back in the, in the future and look back and say, who was that? That's what I used to be. But ever since heaven met earth in my life, I've never been the same. Psalm 150. Who is supposed to praise? Well, we know the dead can't. But in 150, now let me explain to you. Every time the word praise is mentioned in Psalm 150, it means halal. That means this. (laughs) To make a show. To boast. To be clamorously foolish. I love that one. That's the best description I know of how I act in church. I've jumped into the baptistry with my suit on. I've rolled in the floor. I've led a parade around the church. Outside. Yelling at the top of my lungs at the devil that I couldn't see. I've jumped. I've shouted. I've screamed. I've hollered. I've sweated enough. Oh, Lord, we could make a river. That's why I like halal. To be clamorously full. To rave. They have, or they used to have, I don't know if they still do, there used to be a party called a rave. A party. And that's how we're supposed to act about God. To celebrate. Every time I say praise in this next chapter, it means to boast to be clamorously foolish, to celebrate, or to rave. Okay? Praise ye the Lord. Praise God. Or rave about God. Boast on Him in His sanctuary. Celebrate Him in the firmament, O God, of His power. Celebrate His mighty acts. 
celebrate him according to his excellent greatness. Boast about him with the sound of the trumpet. Celebrate him with the psaltery and harp. Make a show with the timbrel and dance. Make a show with stringed instruments and organs. Celebrate him on the loud cymbals. Be clamorously foolish on the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breast be clamorously foolish about the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. And so I would ask you, why sit ye there among the dead? Why not join the living? They missed it. I'm on the again. So I ask you, why sit ye there among the dead? Why not join the living? I'm not just trying to preach some kind of pretty message. I'm not trying to get an invitation back. I'm not trying to make an impression on your pastor or on you. I've come to tell you that you can make heaven touch earth in your life, but it's going to take some praise. It's going to take some celebration. It's going to take raving about God. It's going to take getting lost in his presence. But I promise you that if you will, Can you picture it? Can you picture the hand of God reaching down through the clouds of glory? Can you picture the nail scars in his hand? Can you see him reaching down and just placing his hand on top of the Pentecostals of Lake City? Can you see him reach? Can you see him reaching down and saying they've got my attention because they've pushed me above what they're dealing with. They've got my attention because they bragged on me so much. I'm going to tell you what. I preached all I can preach. I'm finished. So if we were playing basketball, I'd just take the ball and say, you're shot. I've done all I can do. But I'm telling you, if somewhere inside you there's a need, then pair it with an urge to worship. Couple it with an atmosphere of praise. If you need God to move in your life, he wants to. He wants to. He wants to. 